This is the intro song for my asshole brain. <laughs> Welcome to my asshole brain. Well, that was very sensuous. Welcome to my asshole brain. That does sound creepy. I think we should go with yours instead. That sounded a little weird. Yeah, it did. I can't do deep, and your voice is deeper than mine, so you can pull it off. I just sound. I can pull off your voices, really? You you can do like deep and sensuous better than I can because I don't. Your voice is deeper than mine, so when you say "Welcome to my asshole brain," like it sounds kind of like nice. When I do it, it sounds like someone put a like a voice distortioner (laughs) on it because I'm. Like scream. Right, because I've kidnapped someone and I'm calling for a ransom and so <laughs> I'm trying to disguise my voice. I need this. So that's what it sounds like when I try to talk with a deep voice. Good to know. So we, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Anyway. So this episode uh, had started out, we thought, to be a discussion of resolutions and then when I started doing the research on it I realized that it's kind of boring uh, except for the fact that less than 10% of New Year's resolutions are achieved there wasn't a lot of interesting information except for the fact that the reason we tend not to keep resolutions is because we're really shitty at creating new habits and if you want to keep a resolution it should be reasonable and you need to um, create habits and if and you, you also need to actually you know like have a plan in line and not just be like oh it's a new year so that means i should change my whole life new year new you yeah it doesn't work that way because shocking thing to learn you can actually make life-changing decisions and resolutions the other 364 days yeah. of the year most people are not aware of that yes well there was actually uh when i decided to make some kind of major changes a few times in my life, I've made major changes. They've been, like, uh, in the spring. Uh, there was another time I made it at the end of summer, you know. So uh, it doesn't have to be at the turn of the new year. And I understand how that can be, like, a great and milestone. See, yeah, and it's a clean slate thing, and yeah. you're changing your calendars and your underwear finally. Like, I get it. But, yeah. Time's also not really a thing so exactly that's my big thing like i still make new year's resolutions which i fully have failed within a week of the new year but it's also you know it's literally no different than the day before except for the date on the calendar right doesn't which, fucking which matter you have to write out a check which no one writes anymore right. so it doesn't matter right well so i i found that yeah the whole discussion of resolutions wasn't super exciting because it's really all about habits and the discussion of making habits is really fucking boring step one do it. Right. <laughs> what it basically comes down to is you have to have reasonable ex- expectations and you have to take small steps and then you basically have to work up to big steps. That's so... Now, those three things it. literally explain why I can't do resolutions because I don't do anything realistically and I'm horrible at making habits because I try it for an hour and I'm like, this isn't working, I give up. Right, so yeah. So if anybody's really interested in knowing how to make a resolution stick, you know what? You can look it up. Like, yeah. there's all not, kinds of shit. We're not your internet. Google. Go do your own fucking work. <laughs> we're not your life coaches, god damn it. <laughs> and if we are. <laughs> sorry. Oh <my>. Oops. <laughs> you should reevaluate many things about yourself. We are not qualified for that position by any means. No. So, but what it, what it kind of led into is we had previously discussed... Dis- uh, focusing on self-care 
And self-care is actually often a focus of New Year's resolutions. Like, I'm going to take better care of myself. And within the past four years, actually, because you said when you started looking up, basically since 2016, there's a lot more articles talking about self-care. I can't imagine why. I can't imagine the significance of 2016. And if you would like to look into what happened in the year... 2016 in the United States of America that would have inspired people perhaps to decide toward the end of that year perhaps the fall maybe like November early November like within the first yeah. week um that would be that would be some interesting research for you to do and you may understand why people feel that self-care has become so horribly important for everyone so self-care and there's a, there's a few different articles, and again, I'll post these, but I'm going to say it right now. Uh, I had originally started my search trying to find some of the most absurd and ridiculous self-care suggestions because when I was thinking about this topic, to be entirely honest, I kind of viewed self-care as uh, sort of shallow hashtag, like, I'm going to wear a facial. Like, I, I saw it as something that was very superficial and kind of silly. Like, it was something for a lot of, like, privileged, white, wealthy women that they did because they were bored and didn't have other things to do. Uh, I didn't see it as genuine self-help. I didn't yeah. see it as, like, genuine therapy or improvement. I saw it as, like, self-indulgence from people who are actually probably pretty self-indulgent on... A regular basis anyway. And if you if you read enough of the articles, you actually kind of see that that's unfortunately what the idea has been turned into. For, for many people, yeah. So there are a like lot. Like the basis behind self-care makes total sense and is a good thing. Right. Um, but a lot, there are certain. The hashtag self-care type self-care is maybe a little. Is something else entirely. Right. Goes along with the whole social media thing, which is disingenuous and yep and superficial and all about likes and not actual right it's about instagram people who are instagram famous hawking different products that are designed to help you with your self-care journey without truly being helpful to you exactly um so i was very cynical when i looked into this so when I put in my search, again, expecting to find some pretty absurd suggestions for different types of self-care, I came across an article on Vice that is called The Dark Truths Behind Our Obsession with Self-Care and fell down a rabbit hole. It was very, very interesting because, again, I was kind of viewing it from a very cynical viewpoint and seeing it as something that was like kind of a superficial thing that was being exploited by people who were famous on social media and it was used as a method to sell a bunch of bullshit that doesn't actually cure anything to be fair it still kind of is that thing that is part of it yeah but it's also so much more and what this article talks about is how it represents some very important things and very kind of sad and disturbing things that exist within our culture Mainly the fact that we have a mental health care crisis and the majority of people do not have access to treatment. So they have to rely on seeking self-care to hopefully try to treat things to feel better. Right. 
and it's not a genuine treatment. My bipolar is off the track, off the rails right now, but this face mask will help. Right. And the other side of that is that corporations have monetized this. And so they have found it to be a way to make billions of dollars off of selling us products that are designed to improve our mental state and to provide us with self-care. But again, do not actually achieve what they claim they will. So it is exploitation by corporations because they know that people are hurting and struggling. So they figure they can try to convince us that the right, as you mentioned, face mask or essential oils or tea, tea, right? Or any, or yoga class is going to cure all your ills. And that's not to say that those things, some of those things don't have their benefits. Right. Because for instance, like a yoga class can be good for you. Especially if one of your goals is to be healthier, to be more limber, to be stronger. They have their benefit. But if you have a genuine mental illness, going to a yoga class, yeah. buying an essential oil, it's not going to fix it. And if you have you know, a distressing life in general, maybe you don't have a mental health issue, but you know, your life is for whatever reason you know, chaotic and stressful. Yoga three times a week isn't maybe going to necessarily fix that. Right. And a detox tea while you do a face mask is not going to, you know, fix the fact that you're a marginalized member of society. Right. So Etc. It's masking larger problems. Right. It, it's, it, it's offering a Band-Aid to fix something that is a deep gaping wound, which is an analogy I used in our last episode. <laughs> Tonight's theme is deep gaping wounds. Deep gaping wounds. Yes, so that seems to be a continuation of the previous conversation we had. But yes, once again, it is certain people trying to peddle panaceas uh, for deeper issues that require something more than can be bought on Goop or, or Amazon. Amazon. Right. <laughs> so... I was wondering, I was like, when are we going to say goop? Are we going to yell goop or are we going to wait and put it in the conversation? Goop! Goop! (laughs) So as we have already alluded to, articles, websites, and social media tags referring to self-care appear to have increased since our current president's election, which I don't... Might be a coincidence, (laughs) might not be. I mean, correlation doesn't equal causation, but just going to throw that out there. So the... History surrounding self-care, I found out about this through a post on, (laughs) surprisingly, so this website is called the Dumpster Dog Blog. It's by a woman named Amanda Holden. And if you go to the About It, it explains how she got the name uh, Dumpster Dog, which if you're really interested in exploring that, you certainly can. But she also has a very interesting article that talks about the history of self-care and and other aspects of it. So coming from her, self-care is a concept that's been around for ages with hot takes on self-governance dating back as far as ancient Greece. So this isn't necessarily a new thing. Self-care as we tend to understand it, the act of making time to prioritize one's own well-being emerged in the 60s and 70s for those working in high-risk and emotionally daunting professions. So trauma nurses and sex abuse counselors. So 
the types of people who, when we talked about compassion fatigue and the ones who tend to suffer from that, they're the ones who kind of started this whole self-care. Right. Like that, that is something that, that they needed to look into and explore because in order for them to basically survive their careers, they needed to find ways to help them deal with the, the trauma of the things that they were dealing with in their jobs. Uh, shortly thereafter, self-care strategies were adopted by women and minority groups who were being ignored and mistreated by a racist and sexist medical care system, which had no interest in accommodating them. And let's face it, this is something that we've heard a lot. We also talked about this in our episode about pain. Uh, traditionally, the medical system and male doctors in particular have had a tendency to be dismissive toward women and different conditions they've had. Again, we have the whole term hysteria that is bent around the idea that the reason women sometimes act irrationally is because their wombs detach and wander around their bodies. Not for legitimate reasons, right? Like right. We're, we're just hysterical and don't know how to control our emotions. Our pain is taken less seriously. Our, our complaints are taken less seriously. So you had a group of women who were struggling with various things that the medical community was largely ignoring or dismissing. So self-care became a way for them to try to address some of these issues that they were having that no one else would address. And for my for minority groups, self-care remains an act of political resistance and self-preservation. And there's a wonderful quote from Audre Lorde that says, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. So when you are someone who is largely overlooked or marginalized or dismissed, no one else is looking to take care of you, so you have no choice but to take care of yourself. I read a bunch of things and was talking about in relation to marginalized groups, transgender, gay men, gay women. Recently, in the wake, Trump being elected and things like that, they talked about, you know, people posting pictures of themselves and, you know, hashtagging them self-care. And it was, you know, it was really in the sense of representing and showing like, hey, I'm a person, I'm here, I exist. That reminder that it is self-care that you are able to take up space like other people in the world that aren't marginalized are able to. And, you know, saying I'm here, I count too. Yeah. And that just, you know, that by itself comes off as self-care. When you're in a group that is not recognized or, you know, given any respect or, yes. Consideration. Thank you. And that's what's really interesting. So that's one of the things that, uh, in one of the articles that I read, said that part of this has piggybacked on the fact that a lot of times that women's interests and hobbies have been kind of minimalized and and considered to be silly or indulgent and so like yeah if you're not making babies what the fuck do we care right so uh, if if a woman spends money on something it's considered frivolous and silly so like the self-care hashtag or movement has been designed to like legitimize the fact that if I'm making money, I get to spend it on stuff that is a luxury or I can do things that are nice for me or I can indulge in something that's kind of a luxury. It doesn't always have to be only going to things that are practical. Uh, so there's a, a lot of, to be quite honest, sexism involved in it and well as well because... For people who are being told that it's superficial to do these things for yourselves, to turn around and say, no, it's actually something that I need to do in order to feel okay or to get recognition that that's okay to do. And with marginalized groups, that's what it is. It's not just a way to 
to say, okay, I'm here and these terrible things are happening, so I need to do something to take care of myself because I'm constantly constantly being attacked and, and bombarded. It's also, if you put it out there, it's a way of saying, hey, I'm still here and I deserve basic human kindness and respect and consideration, which is why Audra Lord's quote that it is an act of political warfare, why that really holds up because it's this idea that like, you don't have to be ashamed of yourself. You don't have to feel bad about yourself. Like you are a person and you deserve joy. You deserve pleasure. You deserve luxury. Right. You don't have to constantly sacrifice or feel bad or, or only deal with, I don't know, the basics of life that you can at times treat yourself with something that is more and above and beyond. So from the Vice article... Uh, for a definition, and I think everybody pretty much knows what self-care is, but uh, they define it as self-care is a nebulous name for a group of behaviors that should have a simple definition. Taking care of yourself, which is the basic definition, but it sort of captures a bunch of different things within it. But it's no longer just meditation and journaling. Everything can now be hashtag self-care, eating healthfully or indulgently, Spending time alone or seeing friends, working out or taking a rest day, getting a manicure for growing beauty routines. And what's interesting about this is the idea that just doing basic maintenance is now seen as self-care, which is kind of absurd. The idea that like having a cup of coffee without being interrupted is considered self-care. Like that shouldn't be considered an an indulgence. That shouldn't be considered self-care. That's just... Something that you should be able to do. And it's like a lot of the articles reading through them and stuff like very much has kind of changed even my perspective on it because now I'm going through and looking at things and my mindset has switched more to self-care isn't indulgence. Like, I mean, it is because you don't get times for it, but I'm looking through this stuff and I'm thinking to myself now, self-care is that stuff. Self-care is taking an hour in the morning to have a cup of coffee. Turning off, you know, phones and stuff for an hour when you come home from work because it is, it's something you need just to make it through your day to day sometimes. And I think, and especially for, you know, people that have busy jobs or, you know, moms, parents, things like that, you know, you don't get time to yourself. Right. And so again, when I was approaching this, I'm like, oh, self-care. That's just like, it's an excuse for people to indulge in things that are kind of ridiculous. And so I thought it, I I viewed it as something that was kind of superficial and ridiculous and it was something that was being done by people who didn't really need it because they already lived easy, luxurious lifestyles. Only to find out that, in fact, that's not the case. A lot of people who are embracing this or who are people who desperately need it because they don't have a voice, they're being discriminated against, they are uh, minorities, they are marginalized, and... The other part of this, they are also often people who struggle with mental health issues. Right. And so because there is such an extreme lack of access to or coverage for mental health treatments, a lot of times people can't, who are truly struggling can't afford to go see a therapist. Because of that, they have to find other ways to try to ease anxiety or depression. Yeah. And so they seek out these self-care methods to try to do that. I mean, let's be honest, depending on, you know, who you are, where you live, 
a yoga class once a week or a massage once a week is cheaper than a therapist yeah. once a week or medication, especially if you don't have insurance. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I discovered, which I didn't realize. So, so apparently there's a shortage of psychologists and psychiatrists across the United States. And part of that is because, first of all, they don't get paid very well. Nope. And a lot of times insurance companies do not fully reimburse for those. So a lot of times people are having to pay out of pocket to go see a therapist. So even if you recognize that you have a mental health issue and you can, you find the energy to go seek out help and, and uh, find a therapist or a psychologist, you're still probably likely to have to pay out of pocket for it. And quite honestly, a lot of people are not able to afford that, yeah. which is why they will turn to things like self-care in order to try to alleviate the issues that they're having because they can't afford to do it through professional yeah, avenues. Yeah, you know, standard healthcare routes. Yeah. It's, uh, there was a quote in, again, I think it was, this was the, the Vice article, it's a pull-yourself-up-by-your-organic patent-leather bootstraps approach to health. There's an insistence that, in spite of all evidence to the contrary, we can achieve a meaningful existence by maintaining a positive outlook, following our bliss, and doing a few hamstring stretches as the planet burns. So not only is it a replacement for genuine mental health treatment, it also taps into kind of what we discussed before about toxic positivity, this idea that, hey, if you can just adopt a better mindset or you can find the right yoga class or you can find the right whatever reiki or the right uh, essential oils or the right uh, incense or whatever the fuck it is someone is peddling the right jade egg to stick up your vagina right the right essential oil blend to spray to repel psychic vampires then you'll be a happy and healthy person Good vibes only. <laughs> Good vibes only, right? But that puts again, but that that implies that you're you're not doing the work to find the right cure, right? That you're not you're not putting in the effort. Right. And that is again kind of shaming to people who who don't la- who who don't have access to the things that they genuinely need to fix the problems that they're facing. So this is, again, it's a, it's much more complicated than I had ever realized. Because, again, I thought it was just a, kind of a shallow shallow bullshit and excuse yeah. for people to sell ridiculous panaceas. Yeah. Basically snake oil. Modern and day I snake wasn't, oil. And I didn't roll into it quite with that mindset. Like, I wasn't completely cynical. Yeah. But the back, like I said before, the background to it has, you know. Much different than what I anticipated. Right. The, the Vice article was very eye-opening to me. So uh, the nonprofit Mental Health America found that 56.5% of U.S. adults with a mental illness received no treatment. Neither did 64.1% of American youth with major depression. We have half or more than half of the people who are struggling with genuine depression and mental illness not having access to the help that they need. So the fact that they're turning towards social media to discuss those things or to find treatments for those things makes sense because they can't find it anywhere else. And as we've talked about, you know, repeatedly in various podcasts, social media sort of kind of runs the world at this point. I mean, everything is social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. 
Snapchat. Snapchat, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what better place to find access to these things than the place everyone goes to? Right, and it's free. Yeah. Right. So I can't find a therapist, so I'm going to turn to this other source. Yeah. And if this person says that this tea that they drink or this class that they take is going to fix everything that's wrong with me, then by God, I'm going to do it. Uh, and there's a, another quote from the Vice article that says, if we had access to the systematic care we need, we wouldn't need to lose self-care, but perhaps the yoga class could go back to just being a yoga class rather than needing to be defined as something more. So the things that we define as self-care could just go back to being just stuff you do. Like, yeah, that's part of the issue too. Like sometimes people are defining just basic life maintenance as self-care that aren't that shouldn't be self-care it should be just stuff you do like taking a moment to be quiet during your day and not be hounded by your children to just go sit down for 15 minutes in a quiet room that shouldn't be hashtag self-care that should just be like well yeah it's totally acceptable for you to go do that thing like the fact that people have to label it as oh, I need to do this thing to take care of myself. It's like, no, that's... Yeah, it has to be justified because otherwise it's just like, look at this lazy bitch going and sitting and, you know, (laughs) sitting on her patio for 20 minutes with a cup of coffee instead of taking care of her kids. Yeah, and the fact that you said that lazy bitch is actually part of it is the fact that, like, women traditionally feel like we have to justify the things that we do for themselves because the greater world views them as indulgences and luxuries when in part they're just what people do yeah like there's nothing wrong with if you have the money buying something for yourself that's not self-care that's just it's just doing here's the thing when a man buys something for himself he doesn't it's not hashtag self-care it's i earned this money i'm going to spend it i I want this thing so i'm going to have this thing it is, it's their money. They can do what they want with it. But for whatever reason, women have to brand it as something else to justify that expense. Well, in the you had a quote in here from the Dumpster Dog blog that stated that um, it's barbaric that we live in a culture where taking pleasure, especially when that pleasure is had by a woman, requires any defending whatsoever. A woman's consumption of pleasure needs no explanation, not to you, not to herself, not to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because, here's the thing. Okay, so there's a lot of jokes about women having a lot of shoes, okay? I have a lot of shoes. But I also have a lot of inexpensive shoes. Right. There's a handful of them that I've paid a little bit more for, but I also keep them for years. But by and large, the total cost of my shoes is less than $1,000. It's probably actually less than 500 In a previous relationship... When my partner would spend money on things, would do indulgent things, they would be five hundred to thousand to fifteen hundred dollar expenses every time. So a gaming system, a new expensive widescreen television, new computer components. So Right. But that was just considered not a big deal. Oh, we just need to upgrade the TV. We need to get a new gaming system. We need to upgrade the computer. Not a big deal. It's fine. So I'm going to drop $500. i am going to drop $900. i am going to drop $1,500 on this thing. And it wasn't a big deal, right? Because it was... Uh, of course it's expected to spend money on televisions and computers right, you and need gaming those systems, right? But 
accumulating a four or five hundred dollar collection of shoes is considered frivolous and shameful. You bought another pair of shoes, things you need to wear every single day anyway. Right. And that I keep for years and that I'm not going to have to replace because you don't need to upgrade shoes. Right. Like if they fall apart, yes, you need to get a new pair. But guess what? Like the pair of shoes I have right now aren't going to cease to function next year because they've come out with a new version. Most likely not. Like the espadrilles. That would be weird. Right. Like the espadrilles or pumps I have this year, I can still wear and walk in next year. Right. And the next year and the next year. But that's not how it's framed. Like if a woman buys something, it's considered frivolous and silly. Yeah. Why do you need more shoes? You already have shoes. Why do you need a new TV? You already have a TV. Exactly. Because this one's better and it functions better. Right. Like so you have to replace it because this is bigger and better. You don't have to replace shoes. Whatever. So that's the other problem of it, of this, is because of the, the classification of the different things that we consider part of self of self care, and so some of those things are considered to be acceptable, and some of them are considered to be frivolous and luxurious and unnecessary. But at the end of the day, like if you want to spend five bucks on a face mask because at the end of the night you're so stressed out from dealing with everything that you're dealing with, that's great. Like you you do it. All right. And a glass it, of wine and a face mask and a bubble bath right and you shouldn't have to explain or justify it to anybody no which is what honestly the self-care movement has become it's become a justification for people doing basic human maintenance and i mean you even see people like on (coughs) instagram and things like that facebook you see people that use it sort of as a haha joking thing too when they do something ridiculous or over the top yeah like kind of as a like literally pointing to the whole what we've turned it into i don't have to justify why i did this thing but if i hashtag it self-care then that makes it okay yeah that's okay so it's even turned into that also where you have people that are doing things that are ridiculous like hey i just went and bought a forty thousand dollar car an hour after i lost a, jo- a job hashtag self-care like but that's the thing it's giving people permission to do these things when, you know, yeah, really, real That's self-care, not, you shouldn't have to justify. Right. And, and one of the articles we looked at was talking about how, like, I think it was the dumpster dog one, where she's talking about, you know what real self-care is? Having a retirement plan, like having a savings account, like being financially secure. Right. That's real self-care. Not blowing your money on stuff that is ridiculous and isn't going to help you. It's putting it into something so yeah. that when you do retire... You know that you have money to live off of. That's genuine self-care. But the problem is it's been monetized. Self-care has been monetized. Right. And that's part of the issue with capitalism, right? Like capitalism finds a way to co-opt every good trend or social movement, wrapping it up in plastic to be sold. And that is from the same dumpster dog thing. Like it's it's that's what's really sad about it is like there were people within corporations who saw other regular human beings saying shit i gotta take care of myself so i'm gonna do this little thing i'm gonna go get a manicure i'm gonna get by this face mask i'm gonna get this massage and because of the way capitalism works people are like well shit we can make money off this so especially monetized and especially in the u.s where we have this you know attitude of anything that's worth doing is worth being done like worth being overdone you know, and this is, this is a money. good idea. Let's just <laughs> fucking drive it into the ground yeah. and do it, you know, while we also make money. Yeah. Um, the thing you said about, you know, like true self-care, 
um, one of the articles I found was from Forbes, which of all the fucking places <laughs> that you would find an article about self-care and be like, yeah, Forbes.com knows what's up right here. Um, it said, if we're being honest, self-care is actually kind of boring. And they said self-care should be viewed as a discipline, as an everyday act, not an indulgence. Yeah. Um, and they said, you know, things as simple as saying no to things you don't want to do. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, putting money away for retirement. Yeah. Or, um, you know. Setting boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) Skipping the extra drink because you know you need to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym because you know you're going to feel way better tomorrow if you go to the gym at 5 a.m. than if you sleep until 7 hungover. Yeah. Like, it's planning for things and, you know, kind of structuring your life in a way that makes it ideal. And you're protecting yourself and you're taking care of yourself. And it shouldn't have to cost a thing. No. It really shouldn't. So the fact that there are corporations who are trying to make a tremendous amount of money off this idea of you pampering yourselves is kind of ridiculous. But what was also interesting to me about this is that one of the other things that was said was that uh, self-care is fine for people who are experiencing some degree of mild stress or simply looking to it as a way of improving their satisfaction in life. But for people who are actually experiencing symptoms of mental disorder for which effective treatments are available... To ask, expect, or encourage them to take care of themselves in that circumstance is to shift the burden of the condition from the system that should be addressing it to the individual. So it's ignoring the fact that we should have a healthcare system that is providing these people with the care that they need. People who are genuinely mentally ill should not have to resort to self-care to feel better because there should be other things available to them. Like if you are genuinely mentally ill... You should have other sources available to you to help you deal with that mental illness than having to think, like, if I buy these right oils or if I take this class, I'm going to feel better. Like, yes, it's okay to develop habits that are good for you and allow you to set boundaries and and to take better care of yourself. That's fantastic. But at the same time, if you're talking about genuine mental illness, you absolutely should have access to things that are going to allow you to feel better because you have the right therapist, you have the right medication because not everyone can be cured through face masks well, and, there's, and yoga classes. Yeah, there's a difference between legitimate treatment and best practices. Right. Like, yes, it's wonderful that you go to the gym or you do yoga or you don't drink coffee right. and drink alcohol and stuff. That's great. But those should be additions to legitimate medical care. Exactly. Yeah. Not. I do this thing and it's self-care and this plethora of things I do, I do to make up for the fact that I can't get medication. Right. Or see a counselor or both. It should be done in in addition to. Yeah. Not in place of. And there was another thing from the Vice article that I found incredibly interesting was that it is, uh, it's partly a reflection of the society in which we live which is fragmented, and where solidarity is greatly under threat, there is a very strong individualized rhetoric behind self-care, which I think is a, is popular for a lot of people today, especially for government and states who would find it rather convenient to outsource public health care. Yeah. So as long as people are convincing you that your mental health and mental wellness is 100% your responsibility and that you should not expect assistance 
from the medical community, then they no longer have an obligation to provide it. Right. They're and I mean, and it, and it goes back to that whole, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps thing. Yeah. You can do you can do this yourself. You can make this work. You don't need systemic health care or, you know, anything built and solidly in place to help yourself. You can do that yourself. Right. And then that'll make you feel better about it. It's the same argument with everybody for themselves. You know, I earned this money. I earned yeah. this because, you know, I put the effort in. And you wouldn't feel good about yourself if you didn't do it the same way. So we shouldn't do Yeah. Which is then also, again, you know, going back to making marginalized people feel even shittier about their place in the world. Right, right. So people are treating you terribly and you don't have the same rights as everybody else. That's fine. Just go take a hot bath with some some bath bombs Yeah. that smell like lavender and you'll be fine. Right. Like that, that will This ro- lavender has fixed the years of, you know, racism and right. marginalization put together by our society. It'll, it, will, it will replace... Uh, systemic racism. It's fine. Yeah. Like constitutional <laughs> constitutional rights. What? I've got a face mask. So it's like no. If you, again, it's like it's 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 this idea that like we're just gonna we're going to distract you from the underlying problems that are causing your distress by selling you things that will make you feel better for a few minutes and distract you from the underlying causes of your genuine distress and how well does that work for somebody who can't afford education so they work a minimum wage job at mcdonald's and barely make ends meet anyway to use a credit card to buy yoga classes and face masks and essential oils and rack up credit card debt so that they can fix their place in life and feel better about it Right. With they, a bunch of credit card debt it's also. O- it's okay if they just take a few minutes <laughs> to dedicate to self-care. No. They'll be fine. It's been monetized, as I said before, but to give you some numbers, um, and these come from the medium, uh, the surprising inverse relationship between the cost of self-care methods and their effectiveness, which is the more something costs, the less effective it's going to be, just in case you weren't entirely sure what that title meant. The wellness industry is said to be $4.2 billion industry. Trillion. Trillion. You're right. I'm sorry. It's a $4.2 trillion industry. Extra aliens. Yep. And the self-care itself is considered to be within the wellness umbrella is somewhere around 400 billion dollars and that was 2017 so two years ago yeah two years ago these people these corporations are making money off of the average person's distress off of mental illness off of depression off of anxiety now that is not to say that it is i don't mean to imply that it's unethical for people to sell things that are luxuries or indulgent like it's not a big deal if you want to use a, a face mask or... Or have cashmere pajama bottoms. Right. Or a, well, Okay, so I might have a little problem with cashmere. To be fair, I bet those feel amazing. I would sweat like shit. Like I That's would, true. I would wake up with swamp crotch if you put me in cashmere, but they would be so soft when you sat on the couch and like rubbed your butt on them. How do you clean them? 
And do I have to take that shit to the dry well, cleaner every point. week? That's another expense. No, you just buy new cashmere pajamas when those get too gross. Duh. How much did those cost, by the way? A lot. Apparently, cashmere socks cost 75 so I don't know. Figure out how much more fabric there is in pajamas no, no. and do the math. Well, I mean, I do have a few cashmere sweaters, but I also got them real cheap. <laughs> I got That's them on fair. discount. And you can wash them, actually. You just have to be very careful about it. So you don't actually have to dry clean them. They tell you you do, but it's a lie. And I don't own anything cashmere because they would just be dirty from the time I bought them until I died. So Well, that's why you... Um, that's why I don't own them. No, it's okay. Because you can wash them. Just don't dry them. But, like I said... It's just better for me to not. You could use the vodka trick. Again, you just spray it with vodka and it kills all the germs and it's I still fine. feel like that's something an alcoholic came <laughs> up with. No, 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 no. You guys, you see, I have all this vodka because I figured out I can use it to clean my stuff. You say that. However, I have used it. I have vodka in a spray bottle that I have sprayed on different things. And I'm telling you, it really does. And get... when you're out of vodka at the bar, you can just pick up your spritz and go. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm really stressed and I need a little self-care, I take that little spray bottle of vodka and I just. <laughs> I'm a plant and this is my water bottle. To be truthful, like, that's not nearly enough vodka. So, no, I don't spritz it because I would have to do, like, I'd be sitting there for 10 minutes straight <laughs> spritzing in order for me to get the amount of vodka I actually need to feel better. I'm going to try that, though, now, because now it sounds fun to drink vodka through a spritz bottle. <laughs> that could be, like, your new thing. Like, that's how you're going to be identified by. Like, you can just walk around with a spray bottle of vodka and, like, there's Coons and her vodka spray bottle. Yeah. Oh, Coons. Would you like a little vodka mist? <laughs> no, it's pretentious and I don't like it. Please don't do that. Now I'm gonna. It is not a very productive way of getting vodka into your system. That doesn't work at all. Fine. I don't agree with it. You just need to drink it. I'm sorry. Wrong. Well, so basically, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself however the self-care industry has capitalized on the lack of genuine mental health care right. that is available to us and you can't fix your problems legitimately let us sell you shit right to give you a temporary fix to make you feel better for an hour until you realize that everything is still terrible and while your face mask made your pores shrink uh you still have a uh gaping hole where your soul should be so i may be marginalized <laughs> but my pores aren't <laughs> what are marginalized pores what, I mean, what is that i don't know what was a, i would actually think a marginalized pore wouldn't that be smaller i guess it would well, in theory or it would or it would be very large and gaping because those would be the not ideal pour. So <laughs> I'm not really sure. I don't actually know what a pour is. We need to stop using the word gaping. Not using the word gaping is self-care. Is that a word for 2020? Gaping. Gaping 2020. <laughs> it is now. Oh. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Talking along with, uh, you know, the the wellness industry and the self-care industry, um, I'm not sure where this quote's from, but it's, I mean, there's a whole marketplace of self-care items capitalizing on our distress. Yep. Um, Shockingly, it was kind of difficult to find blatantly ridiculous ones. 
Um, yeah, because that's what I had asked you to do. I'm like, can you find some really ridiculous yeah. self-care items that are out there? And aside from, you know, kind of like the goop-sponsored yoni eggs, which, you know, that's actually a thing that's been around Don't for put it. a jade egg in your vagina. It's porous. Yeah, most, <laughs> most medical professionals don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. But yoni eggs apparently are a thing that have been around for a while. So what do they know? Really? Uh, apparently. Um, um, some, of the, <laughs> some of the ridiculous things I did find, though... Temporary tattoos, which basically look like little band-aids with positive mantras on them. That's fine and dandy, but you're also paying for these things that you're going to temporarily tattoo and then wash away. And then, Honestly, so, you could just write on your arm. I was going to say, like, I have a Sharpie. I could do it. There you go. <laughs> for free. Right. Um, my Probably one of my favorites <clears throat> that I found, though, was Therabox, which is... It's the number one self-care subscription box, according to mytherabox.com. I should probably not actually, now I sound like an advertisement. (laughs) I'm not actually supporting this because it's ridiculous. Um, It is a box curated by therapists, supposedly, with practical joy-boosting activities and thoughtful self-care products. So basically, starting at $30.99 a month, you can get a monthly subscription Mm -hmm. box that has a bunch of goodies including things like bath salts self-care journals sprays essential oils candles etc that kind of seems like the epitome of the monetization of self-care yeah i have a problem with monthly subscription boxes anyway because i think that when you look at the waste that is created through those, especially because how many people use everything that they actually get? They're really fun, but they're kind of ridiculous. There's a part of me that's like, oh, it'd be fun to get new stuff every month, but I also recognize that, do I need new stuff every month? No. No, I don't. That's the other part of this, is that a lot of people are labeling, labeling things as self-care that are, like, it's, which implies that it's, again, an indulgent when really it's just like basic maintenance. Right. Basic maintenance is not self-care. Like self-care implies you're doing something above and beyond to care for yourself. Taking a shower is not fucking self-care. Combing your hair is not self-care. That is like basic maintenance. Standard maintenance. That's not a luxury. That's not something you're for. You're not pampering yourself I guess by doing those things. I guess you could argue if you had horrible depression, had trouble leaving in bed, that that would be self-care. But then that also takes us back to the whole... Mental, Mental right. health issues, right. which should be fixed with something other than well, exactly. hashtag self-care. Self, so, so I just proved my own point. Right. Well, self-care implies like pampering. If you are so depressed that you can't do basic maintenance, then you need to see a mental health care professional to help you reach that level. Then once you're healthy and you can maintain. <laughs> then you can pamper. Then you can pamper. Right, but, like, to pretend that, like, doing laundry is, no, that's not self-care. That's, like, maintenance. Like, we've got to stop pretending that things that you're supposed to do are luxuries. Right. And we have to stop trying to sell people luxuries as a means for treating mental illness when it's not going to do it. 
it's just a sign of greater issue. Again, I mean, when we started this, I said that I, I saw it as kind of ridiculous and shallow. And then as we dove into it, I realized that it was a sign of something so much more. And it became yeah. okay, kind of dark and depressing. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, now I'm frankly kind of pissed off at the whole concept just because, like, I get what they're going for. But it's like, oh, this is the thing. Because I'm mad that it has to exist. Yeah, it shouldn't have to be a thing. Because no. It shouldn't have to be a thing. Society should be built so much better than it is. Right. And no one should have to justify doing kind things to themselves. Right. No one should. You are allowed to treat yourself with kindness. You are allowed to spend money on yourself if you want to. Obviously, if you're spending money on luxuries and not tending to necessities, that's a problem. But that's like a completely other issue. And again, yeah, it's probably a mental the, health yeah, issue. Say, not the same thing. Right. So the, the idea that we have to come up with some sort of justification for doing things that, quite frankly, we deserve to do, or that we are using it as an excuse to pay for things to make up for a lack of adequate health care, it's all fucked up. So while I saw it as something kind of frivolous and ridiculous, what I found out is that it's actually a sign of something, a systemic problem within yeah. our culture. Yay! Yay! Pop culture things actually being based out of serious political issues. Right, like I, issues. Thought, I thought it was going to be a fun little conver- conversation about people who are kind of narcissistic and shallow and turned into a conversation about... Uh, social inequality and lack of mental health care and uh, capitalism exploiting mental illness and it's all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> Realizing everything is bullshit is self-care. Hashtag. <laughs> is listening to this podcast considered hashtag self-care? I guess it depends on the topic. I don't know. I mean, and, whether, and whether or not you think we're funny. If you don't think we're funny, then it's probably definitely not self-care. It's just making you feel worse instead. I don't know. Oops. Sorry. Our bad. Well, I mean, I hope that we've given everyone a different perspective on it. I certainly learned a lot more and have come away from it, viewing it incredibly differently. I hope no one is ashamed to take care of themselves, but I also hope no one thinks that they have to spend hundreds of dollars on ridiculous items in order to care for themselves. And I, I also wish people had access to adequate mental health care so that they didn't have to seek out alternative methods of dealing with depression and anxiety and other types of mental illness. And, you know, if your goal for 2020 was to take better care of yourself, good. I hope you do. Please do not spend thousands of dollars on people who are claiming to be able to give you a cure-all because those things don't exist and maybe vote for candidates who are interested in making the world better and not smaller and greedier right who are interested in in providing you with access to better hashtag health care so you don't need hashtag self-care I fucking hate hashtags, by the way. Can I just... (laughs) Hashtag. I hate them so much. But, you know, hashtag my asshole brain. Uh, It's not a competition because... We are all fucked up. Which is why we all need (laughs) self-care. Goodbye. 
We are not scientists, medical professionals, or mental health experts. We are simply two people interested in discussing a topic that affects everyone, either directly or indirectly. We are not expressing expert opinions, and anything we say should not replace medical advice or treatment. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety, especially if you are thinking of harming yourself or someone else, please seek the help of a mental health or medical professional. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also chat with them online. Take care. My Asshole Brain was written and hosted by Amanda Green and Stephanie Coons. Artwork by Doug Tolls, produced by Stephen Beasley, and presented by Greasley Enterprises. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.